You're listening to the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey, a leading multi-platform audio content and entertainment company. Listen on the Odyssey app. Hello and welcome to the Marketing Futures Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Burbridge. Today, we're bringing you the latest edition of our Masters of Brand Masters series, recorded on-site at the 2023 ANA Brand Masters Conference in Bonita Springs, Florida. We here at the Futures Pod love a good transformation story, and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than our guest today's. Kevin Miller, CMO of the Fresh Market and one of the stars of the Brand Masters Conference, joined us to talk about the brand's journey from worst place to work in America to America's favorite grocery store. In part one of this two-part episode, we talk about the steps Fresh Market took to completely transform the brand, including creating the ultimate loyalty experience. Let's start the show. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back in the Marketing Futures Podcast Studio. We are on site in Bonita Springs, Florida at the ANA Brand Masters Conference. And I have what seems to be the, the man about town in this conference. What I've seen is any indication. We have Kevin Miller, Chief Marketing Officer at the Fresh Market on the Pod. Kevin, thank you so much for taking some time to be here. Hey, Michael, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I just can't wait. There's so much to talk about, but before we get into it, before mm. we really get into it, I want to do a little level set for the 12 people listening who don't know who you nah. are. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how your journey led you to the fresh market. Oh, yeah. Well, Michael, I'm a 35-year veteran of advertising and marketing and media. I got started in that business in the early to mid-80s when I was an account executive at Leo Burnett. I uh, worked on the National McDonald's business. That's where I learned all my retail food background. And over the last 35 years, I've had various positions. Uh, love marketing as a uh, career. Worked for major corporations, Fortune 500 companies like PepsiCo and Coca-Cola and Disney, but also worked for major ad agencies like Leo Burnett. And it's always been a great journey, you know, anchored in ideas and insights and data, challenges, and, you know, you can do just about anything you want to do in, in the, in, you know, in the business. So very excited about that. Before that, I was a captain in the U.S. Army. Oh uh, yeah, I went to West Point. And I uh, spent my first six years in the Army as an Army officer. And, uh, and then I was the first person that Leo Burnett ever recruited directly out of the Army that's incredible. into, into uh, advertising. So that's what led me, all that experience <laughs> led, oh me, led me to the opportunity to be the CMO of the Fresh Market. This, in fact, is my third CMO position. I was chief marketing officer for ABC Radio, division of Disney. And prior to this job, I was a CMO for Natural Grocers, which is a natural and organic grocery chain out of Denver. Uh, and they operate primarily west of the Mississippi. Uh, so, I mean, one thing I see as kind of a, a trend among really CMOs who are really, really effective is this dynamic background where you 
have so many different experiences kind of crossing and crisscrossing. Yeah. So just, but it's so cool to, to hear about. Yeah. Now, I don't know every detail, but based on what I do know at your, about your tenure for, at the Fresh Market, transformation, we need a new word. Like I don't yeah. think transformation doesn't come close to the magnitude of change that the fresh market has experienced uh, in your stead as CMO. Yeah. So first of all, take us to where the brand was when you joined, mm -hmm. and then what were your first priorities? What were the big things that you knew, you saw a lot of opportunity, but these few things needed to be addressed first? Yeah, the fresh market had uh, been around for almost 40 years when, when I joined. Um, and the first 30 of those years were very successful. Uh, a lot of growth, gone public. It was founded in 1982 by Ray Berry, who was a, a big executive at 7-Eleven, actually. And uh, he went to Europe and discovered the European fresh food shopping experience and wanted to bring it back to the US. Along the way, uh, a lot of people were very successful and very happy. But toward the end of uh, 2017, things got a little tougher on the fresh market. Because they had gone public, you know, they had some, some new executives that came in there, not the Barry family, the founders, and they kind of lost their way a little bit and started to chase after different customers, the lower value-seeking customers, the stock-up shop, type customers, and that wasn't what the fresh market was all about. And so business was going kind of south, and in 2018, fresh market hit rock bottom <laughs> when they were rated, ranked, the worst company in America to work for oh <laughs> by Glassdoor. So sales were down, traffic's down, market share down, and our, our employees hated us. <laughs> and so that's when we were um, taken over by Apollo Global, private equity, took us from being public back in the private company. They looked for a new management team to turn the company around, and they hired a hotshot new CEO from Canada, Jason Potter, in uh, March of 2020. Two weeks before the World Health Organization <laughs> declared COVID a, a pandemic, we had to send everybody home from the headquarters and uh, we'll keep the stores open. Um, and he interviewed me for the position. My wife wanted to get to the Southeast and so I, uh, I listened to her. I took the interview call, that's right. Hit it off great and so I was Jason's first hire uh, right in the middle of the pandemic in May of 2020. We went on to hire a new CFO, new chief operating officer, a new general counsel. So the entire you know, senior management team turned over and uh, we had a vision. And our vision was that we wanted to have the fresh market become one of America's most loved brands, not most hated. And so we put together a strategy that really focused on the product, the service, and the experience that we wanted to deliver to turn the business around. We went back to our roots 
of being a specialty retailer. We wanted to own three key occasions, the place where to get your fresh food, not your stock up food. We didn't want you to come to us to be to buy your toilet paper or your rice roni you know, but the highest quality meats and seafood, fresh and uh, produce. We wanted to be known for special occasions. That's how our customers really looked at us. For those occasions when you absolutely positively had to get that meal right, mm -hmm. Thanksgiving, oh, Christmas, yeah. Valentine's Day, Easter, Mother's Day, you know, you don't want them, graduations. You have to really depend on having that meal be absolutely perfect and delicious and special. Mm -hmm. And then finally, you know, the whole problem that we were trying to solve for consumers was what's for dinner. And uh, that's a really hard question to answer for most Americans, especially women and uh, moms that, you know, over time they've had to figure out or think about what they're going to serve for dinner every night to their families. It's not as easy as you might think. And uh, it's not really the preparing of the food. It's just figuring out what you're going to eat. There was some research when I was uh, VP of marketing for Pizza Hut back in the late 90s. And that even back then, research indicated that 80% of Americans did not know what they were going to have for dinner up until as late as three o'clock in the afternoon. So uh, I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago and a very, you know, a VP level exec for Instacart, believe it or not, was talking about the fact that just trying to figure out what's for dinner every night was the bane of her existence. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it that bad. Like, oh God, it's I have got to figure out what's for dinner tonight. And so, we, that, right. Exactly. So, you know, we figured that out. And hey, if we can solve by, um, you know, being the place to solve what's for dinner by, you know, having foods, fresh food, good for you food, not like having to solve it or, you know, solve their problem by, by going through another drive through or ordering another pizza. Yeah, that's not good for your family. But really good, fresh food, high quality food that was easy to prepare, easy to cook, and easy to clean up, that tasted great, and it was good for you and affordable, that's the occasion we wanted to solve at the Fresh Market. And so we were very clear in terms strategically um, what our vision was, the types of occasions we wanted to solve for, and the type of experience we wanted to deliver. And so that's what the executive team set off to do. We all put our hands in, said we know what we want to do. We validated it with consumer research. And then it was time to break. The operations people went off and figured out how to do operations around the strategy. Mm -hmm. The merchants went out, what kind of products do we need for the strategy? The HR people went off, what kind of people do we need to deliver against the strategy? And of course, the marketing people had to figure out how are we going to market? Well, who's yes. our consumer? And how are we going to communicate this through our marketing uh, plans and strategy and uh, tactics uh, to deliver against this, this uh, new strategy and direction? My goodness. 
Good. <laughs> and we we took off. So everybody broke the huddle, and it was like a football play. The wide receivers and the running backs and the linemen and the quarterbacks all knew what they needed to do in their role to make that happen. And apparently went from last in the league to super. <laughs> <laughs> really, that's fantastic. That's- As a CMO, you're entrusted with discerning the nuances of customer behavior, which even in the best of times, can be unpredictable. In the wake of a global pandemic followed by inflation, your responsibilities may have become more complex than ever. How do you win customer loyalty in changing times? And how do you stay agile to help get better returns on your media investments? As choices for products and services continue to grow, marketing leaders may need new ways to help create more personalized experiences that can aid customer loyalty. This means exploring new tech-forward capabilities while also tailoring your current tech investments to help get more effective results. Through proprietary software and decades of real-world experience, PwC offers a range of services and products to give you human-led, tech-powered solutions designed to help with your needs. Understand your customers more deeply. Gain greater visibility into your media and advertising spend. And... Help forge deeper connections with current customers while attracting new ones. Explore PwC's customer engagement solutions today at pwc.com. Build customer-centric experiences that resonate in a shifting world. So, obviously, being taken back in private, starting with a clean slate of leadership. Yeah hugely helpful for this this breakneck turnaround this absolutely so quick you blink and you'll miss it turnaround and the vision is a great thing to start you on your journey but culture is so important on keeping you on that journey and keeping you focused that's right what were some of the cultural kind of developments or was there like a mindset or certain like truths or axioms that from the get-go, as this expanded, as you brought on these people, were there yeah. guiding principles that helped you stay on track? Well, again, uh, the, the, the vision was the most important thing. And articulating a vision that's very clear, mm-hmm. very simple, uh, and importantly, you know, humanly and emotionally powerful so that the average person can connect with it is, is most important. You know, we could uh, try to explain our vision in financial terms or fancy marketing terms, but the 13,000 employees on the front line wouldn't get it. You know, you find people that work in retail on the front lines are very passionate about their jobs and their companies, they're very proud of them. Uh, they represent you to the customer. They are the brand. And, uh, and our, our employees knew that we were ranked the last because it's all over the internet. And so when we were able to articulate to them that we were going to do our best to turn that around and to make them, the brand, one of America's most loved, then that gave them something they could understand, get excited about. It was a real vision for them. And, uh, and it was able to, you know, when you don't really have to tell them much more than that. Because they can quickly say, well, 
I'm going to treat my customers in a way that they're going to love the shopping experience when they're in my store. And then you train against it so they know they knew where we were going and heading. And, uh, and then you show them the little wins along the way. We were able to do some research um, that indicated and we were able to append our customer satisfaction scores to our actual T-log or actual sales transactions. And we found that when a customer is greeted uh, with a smile, when they walk into the store, that customer average check goes up by $4. And we also found, yeah, we also found that when you a customer had a question rather than pointing to or telling them what aisle the product was in. If you actually walk them over to the shelf and pointed to the shelf or pulled it down, then their check went up another $4. And so we were able to, you know, indicate why service was and then create a monetary platform and measurements along the way. So we, we uh, articulated the exact steps that you know, made sense for improving service. We showed them the results of their actions. We graded them across these various service-related KPIs, and we bonused them and their stores on the results. So the little wins along the way started to show up. As we were, had our head down, something really fun happened. A year later, we looked up and we were voted the number one best supermarket in America in the USA Today poll. Readers Digest poll, which stunned everybody in the company and stunned the entire grocery industry for sure because that was voted on by the people. Mm-hmm. Not buying awards, and we love the Reggies, but, <laughs> <laughs> but by, by the actual consumers. And we are clearly not the largest chain in America. Mm-hmm. We clearly don't have as many stores as national Kroger's and Walmart's and Publix, but we only operate in half the country. But in a countrywide vote, we were voted number one. And uh, that really motivated everybody in the company. We knew we were on the right direction. We had something to be extremely proud of. And we didn't have this label of being the worst company to work for. We had this reputation as being the very best in America. So that really, Michael, energized the whole company. And then the next year we looked up and we won again. That's Back to back. Let's go. Back to back. And we're going for a three-peat this year. Dynasty building That's it. That's it. Well, that's just incredible. And I love that you leaned into the passion of retail workers because it's a stereotypical view they're there to earn a paycheck and when's my shift over but i know for a fact the ownership that most retail workers take and i know how to do this and i know what my customers like empowering that and leaning into that i mean i can't say it's not shocking because of the speed of it is just absolutely flabbergasting but it's not really surprising no it's not rocket science yeah exactly plug into the love and it's gonna pay back that's it that's That's it Good That's stuff. It. So one of the many things that have happened over the last, let's say, 18 months was launching the Fresh Market's first ever loyalty program, mm-hmm. the Ultimate Loyalty Experience, 
which reached a million members within seven months, yeah. uh, which I think is better than uh, Facebook and TikTok and maybe Instagram. I think ChatGPT is the only one. Who's <laughs> <laughs> maybe not TikTok, yeah, but, but I think TikTok was five months. Okay. Well, but still, right yeah. up there with some of the, the most successful of all time. Yes, right. For yeah. goodness sake. Yes. <laughs> um, so take us through how you constructed this program yeah. and, and why, what you think was the key to its quick success. Well, the, the key to its quick success is that, you know, we asked the consumer what they wanted, and then we gave the consumer what they wanted. So, duh, if you build it, they will come. And so we didn't want to pull something off the shelf. Um, we had never had a loyalty program at the Fresh Market in the 40-year history. Uh, we understood that our customer was different, as we just talked about, and special, and we weren't your typical grocery store. You know, we had a, a real value proposition around fresh product, impeccable service, great experience, and uh, and our customers were higher end. They averaged 150,000, 180,000 households, so they were very discerning. And there are a lot of things going on with technology and e-com that uh, were being. Uh, of course, the marketplace was being flooded with all that good stuff. So we didn't want to miss out on anything. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were smart enough first to hire uh, Deloitte Global Consulting. We wanted them to do an audit of the best loyalty programs from around the world, not just in the U.S. Um, and not just... Uh, and grocery. So every whatever reward program there was globally around the world, what were the best ones from airlines to um, Starbucks to uh, membership clubs like Costco to credit card, you know, whatever there was, there were loyalty membership. Go out there, benchmark what the attributes and the benefits were. The functionalities, the technologies, the reward structures, and really understand who, what were the best of the best out there. And they did the search and they came back with a lot of findings. We took the best of the best and we created some concepts for what our loyalty program should be. And then we asked our customers. So we did extensive focus group research, and uh, we asked them to compare our program or these particular concepts first to see how they would compete against some of the other top programs. And then also for them to rank, you know, what of these programs would be most compelling to them to join and to visit the fresh market more often. And so from there, it was just a matter of collating and, and prioritizing what we could accomplish within a relatively a short amount of time in terms of the development cycle, the technical development. But we, we skimmed the cream off the crop. And so mm -hmm. of the top five or 10 things that they felt they were most compelling, we made sure we put that into the program. And then we asked them again, they said, look, if you are going to develop a program like this, with this type of reward structure, these types of ways of earning value and pricing, then you know what? This would be the ultimate loyalty program. And so we said, huh, we'll call it the ultimate loyalty <laughs> program. 
like, wait, wait a second. <laughs> they said it, so we were like, okay, well, that's what we'll call it. And we did. And so we, when we launched it, it was exactly what our customers wanted. They told us what they wanted. We built it. And, uh, and the rest is history. So within seven months, we had achieved one. We were hoping to achieve one million in a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, within seven months, and we benchmarked against some of those other programs, and, and it really, it really has performed very admirably for us. Very happy with it, and it's driving, you know, additional transactions. It's driving more basket more profitability is doing all the things that we wanted wanted to do. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Futures Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll join us next week for part two of my conversation with the Fresh Markets' Kevin Miller, where we discuss the brand's foray into live streaming and shoppable video. The Marketing Futures Podcast airs Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. Have a topic or guest you'd like to hear on the pod? Shoot us a note at marketingfutures at ANA.net. And as always, find the insights you need to future-proof your brand at ANA.net slash futures. This has been a presentation of the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey.